Joshua chapter number 5 and verse number 1. Amen. I've been preaching a long time. This year is 35 years that I've been preaching, 25 years as a pastor. And uh, I preached a lot of sermons over the course of the years. And uh, I think my iPad, one of my files, has 1,600 sermons that I've preached over the years. That's a lot of preaching. Um, not as many as some people, but more than others. But uh, I preach long enough to know when God gives me a word that is vital for the future of the church. And uh, all sermons from the Bible are important, but not. But but sometimes God speaks, and you know that it is a fresh word for right now. And so I've debated with the Lord for a few days as the weather unfolded and. I realized we'd have a smaller crowd than usual, and uh, but but I feel like the Lord's given me this message for this time, and so I'm going to preach it, and, uh, and God's going to move. Joshua 5, beginning at verse 1 through verse 9, then we'll skip down and read a couple more verses. If you found it, say amen. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, And all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. So the enemies of Israel knew that God was on Israel's side. Their heart melted. They knew we can't do anything about these people and their God. Verse 2, And at that time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives And circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise all the people that came out of Egypt that were males. Even all the men of war died in the wilderness, by the way, after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, As they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord unto whom the Lord sware that he would not show them the land which the Lord sware unto their fathers that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children, whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in their camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. Go with me to verse number 13. I know it's a lengthy reading. Go with me to verse 13 and 14. And it came to pass... When Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay. But as captain of the hosts of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face 
to the earth and did worship and said, What saith my Lord unto his servant? That's a lengthy reading, isn't it? You can tell by the word that repeats itself over and over. That there was a change made in this time. I want to preach to you for a little while on the time between Jordan and Jericho. The time between Jordan and Jericho. God, I pray you anoint me to preach, anoint ears to hear. Confirm your word with signs following. God, I pray, let the word land on our heart and let it be received and mixed with faith. Lord, that we would come out of this building today different than we came in. Speak your word, O oh God, and speak life with it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise, and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord today. Israel had spent 400 years in Egypt and 40 years in the wilderness, and then Moses died. After the death of Moses, the first four chapters of the book of Joshua was the story of how Israel crossed the Jordan River into Canaan land, their long-promised home. In my mind's eye, I can see the priests with the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders standing at the edge of the muddy Jordan River. The river at flood stage, the water rushing by them. When the priests start to walk into the chilly water and their foot strikes the muddy bottom, the waters began to part and the mud instantly dried up. Every step they took, the river opened up like unzipping a zipper. When they got to the other side of the muddy Jordan, the Bible said that the river closed again. From there, the crossing at the Jordan River, the next major event in the history of God's people was the Battle of Jericho. As a Sunday school child, we loved to sing the little song. The actual lyrics is Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. But we always sang Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. I thought we were right and I looked it up and I found out it is he fit the battle. But nonetheless, he fought it too. And so we sang Joshua. Anybody remember that song? I don't know if they still sing it or not. But, but Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. And the walls came. I told I used to sing it to my grandma and grandpa that they fought the battle of Jeritol. That was a vitamin for old people. But now I'm fighting the battle of Jeritol. Two of the most amazing events in the history of God's ancient people. The parting of the Jordan River and the tumbling down of the walls of Jericho. From the crossing of the Jordan to the battle of Jericho was a 13-day time period. These 13 days between the crossing of the Jordan and the battle of Jericho are the subject of this morning's message. There are great lessons to be learned from times between great events. It's good to know great events, but it's also valuable to know how you get from one great event to another. And so what does the wilderness in Jordan represent to us? We know that Egypt was a land of bondage and slavery. It represented their life in sin. God loved Israel. God was making plans for them. 
but they were in bondage to Pharaoh and to Egypt. And even though they were in bondage, God's love reached for them and brought them out. And likewise, when we were in sin, God loved us. And God was making plans for us. While we were slaves to sin and slaves to our flesh, but while Israel was in bondage, God raised up Moses to deliver them. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He died to deliver us from sin and bondage. Jesus on the cross led us out of that captivity. While Israel was delivered from Egypt, they went into this phase called the wilderness. They were free, but they were not in their promised land. They were walking in circles for 40 years between bondage and promise. They would have good days and bad days. There were times they acted like they were still slaves, and then there were times they acted like they had been delivered. It was a frustrating cycle of ups and downs and repeating the same thing over and over again. But even though life wasn't perfect, at least they weren't slaves anymore. They celebrated the Passover in the wilderness, the remembrance of how they had been set free. Even though they were in the wilderness and not in Canaan, they still worshiped God for bringing them as far as he had brought them. And can I tell somebody this morning, it's good for you to worship even though you're not quite yet where you ought to be. Even though you're still in the wilderness, you still ought to praise God because you're not in Egypt anymore. Amen. Even when you're not yet at your destiny, you can thank God for what he's already done. During this process from Egypt to Canaan, in the wilderness phase of their life, God was giving them the law. They had been delivered in the book of Exodus. They took the land in the book of Joshua, but they were in the wilderness through Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. It took one book to get them out of Egypt. It took four chapters to get them into Canaan, but it took three books to get them through the wilderness. Amen. One book to get them out of bondage. Three books to get them through the wilderness. It takes longer for God to disciple us than it does for him to deliver us. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I feel like preaching a little bit this morning. That's why you have to be patient with people. Because it's a lot easier to get them baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost than it is to get them to act like Christians all the time. And God knew it from the very beginning that it would only take Exodus to get them out of Egypt, but it would take book after book after book to get the Word of God into them so they could really live in their promise and their destiny. Amen. During this wilderness phase, while they were still sometimes acting delivered and sometimes acting like slaves, God kept giving them promises to keep them moving down the pathway. Can I preach to you a little while this morning? You got nothing else to do, folks. Deuteronomy 6, 10 and 11, and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which you filled not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, and vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. God said, now this was not while they were in the promise. This was when they were in the wilderness. While they're still struggling with one day they act like they've been delivered and the next day they act like slaves. One day they're saying, we can do it. And the next day they're saying, take me back to Egypt. Did you bring us out here to die? While they're in the middle of the wilderness, 
God's making promises to them. I'm going to give you cities. You didn't have to build them. I'm going to give you houses full of things and you didn't have to fill them. I'm going to give you wells that you didn't have to dig. And I'm going to give you vineyards that you didn't have to plant. God was making plans and promises to them while they were still in the wilderness. God didn't wait till they got to Canaan to tell them what he was going to do. He said, I know you don't feel like a victor now. I know you don't feel like you got it together, but I'm just telling you that in your future, there's cities you didn't build, wells you didn't dig, vineyards you didn't plant. There's stuff for you. I know you're not living like you deserve it. I know you have ups and downs, but I'm just telling you what I'm getting ready to do for you. You're going to be blessed. Oh, hallelujah. He said, don't get frustrated in the wilderness and quit now. I know it's a struggle to get where you're going, but don't quit now because I got great things waiting on you. I've been making plans for you since you were making bricks for Egypt. Oh, hallelujah. He said in Deuteronomy 28 and 13, and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt not, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. And if you hearken, if that you hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day, to observe and do them. Let's be real this morning. Sometimes you don't act like you're the head. Sometimes you act like a tail. I didn't write it. I'm just reading it. You don't want me to preach this to you today. Sometimes you gossip. Sometimes you lie. Maybe I'm preaching the wrong group of people this morning. It's the folks that couldn't get here, right? Is that it? Sometimes you do stuff you're not supposed to do. You don't live holy all the time. You're up and down. You're supposed to be the head, but you act like the tail. God said you're going to only be above and not beneath. You're going to be over your trials, not under them. Hey, I'm looking for that day. God's reminding them, look, I know sometimes you'd act like you're the head. And sometimes you act like you're the tail. But there's going to come a day when you're only above it and not beneath. You're not always going to be on the roller coaster of life. You're not always going to be struggling in this wilderness phase of your life. There is an end to the wilderness. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. God said, God said there's coming a day when you're not always going to be up and down. You're going to be above. Oh, God, if I've ever preached, I'm preaching right now. How do I start living like the head and not the tail? How do I get that tail behavior out of me? How do I stay above only and not live beneath my calling and my privileges and my anointing and my destiny? How do I get to that place? God said, if you'll hearken to the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day, and observe to do them, you'll be the head and not the tail. It's not up to God. It's up to me saying, okay, God, what you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. God said, the reason you're still in the wilderness and still in the cycle of ups and downs is because you're having obedience issues to the commandments of God. You haven't settled some issues in your life. You just keep, you keep acting like the tail when you're supposed to act like the head. And living beneath instead of above. Amen. You wanted a snow message. I don't have snow for you today. The wilderness is not their destiny. I'm going to tell you, wilderness living is hard. That's why camping's fun for a few days. But by the time it's over, you can't wait to get home to your hot shower and your Mexican restaurant. 
It's fun catching a fish and eating berries for a couple of days, but it's not long. You're saying, my Lord, give me something else. Take me to Taco Bell or somewhere. Get me something besides. That's why they only camp out for, well, some folks only camp out on weekends. Do y'all want me to preach? Because I really want to. Camping's hard. That's why they only do it for a few days at a time. It's easier having real bathrooms and not a tree. A refrigerator and not a cooler. But God said, you're camping now. But you will have houses and you won't have to build them. And vineyards you won't have to plant. And wells you won't have to dig. But you got to get through the wilderness. You got to get through the camping to get to the house, to your destiny. And so they muddled through the wilderness reminding themselves, I can't quit now. Just over there on the other side of that river, there's a house with my name on it. There's a well with cold water that I'm not going to have to dig. And there's vineyards and olive trees and I don't have to plant them and I don't have to water them. I won't have to live in the, but if I quit now, I'll never get there. If I give up today, I'll never reach my destiny. If I stop now, I'll never be more than just a camper in the wilderness. And so after 400 years of bondage and 40 years in the wilderness, you would think that when they finally crossed over the Jordan, now think about 400 years in bondage and then 40 years in the wilderness. You would think after 440 years that when they crossed the Jordan River, they would sprint to Jericho. I mean, I, I, I don't run very often. I only run when I have to. But I believe I'd have ran that day. As soon as I, as soon as my feet got on the other side of the Jordan River, I'd say, take me to my house I didn't have to build. And let me go get, let me go get some grapes from that vineyard that I didn't have to plant. Let me get some olives from the tree I didn't plant. Let me have that house full of all good things that I didn't have to fill. Take me to it. I'm ready to get there. Get me to my promise. But there was a time from crossing the river until they got to Jericho. And those 13 days made all the difference in the world. I believe I would have been saying, get me, I'm tired of this tent. I put this tent up and down for 40 years. I've lived in this rotten tent. I put it up in the rain, in the cold, in the heat. I'm, get, take me to my house that I didn't have to build. I've been carrying this bucket to the rivers and streams and ponds and lakes of the wilderness for 40 years. Take me to my cold, deep well. that I did. But they didn't go directly to Jericho. So what did they do for 13 days? Here's what the Bible says, Joshua 5 and 1. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites which were on the other side of Jordan westward, all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters from Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. The enemies knew that there was nothing they could do to stop Israel. But Israel's problem was they had not properly prepared themselves for their destiny. In the wilderness, they had built a tabernacle for worship. They had learned principles of giving and sacrifice. They had taken off the jewelry and the items of worship of the Egyptians. They had gotten the Ten Commandments from the Lord and lived them. They had come so far from when they were in Egypt, but they still were not quite ready for the promise. When they first came out of Egypt, they had been circumcised, but all the children born in the wilderness had not been circumcised. In Genesis 17, God instituted circumcision as the mark of the covenant between his people and himself. But in the wilderness, Israel had not circumcised their children. Their children looked like Jews outwardly. But if you pulled away the robe, they looked like Egyptians. That's exactly the quiet I expected. 
what you could see looked like they were supposed to look. When they went to the tabernacle, they looked like God's people. When they sang, they looked like God's people. When they worshiped and brought sacrifice, they looked like God's people. But in private, when no one was around, when there was no priest or Levite present and you pulled back the robe, they looked like Egyptians. Their church worship and their home living were not the same. They wanted their houses they didn't have to build and their vineyards they didn't plant and the wells they didn't dig. They wanted to be the head and not the tail and they wanted to be above and not beneath but they also wanted to be able to look as much like the Egyptians in their private life as possible. Let me be Pentecostal at church and an Egyptian at school. Let me be apostolic on Sunday and an Egyptian at work. Let me be a Christian at church and flirt and be carnal when I'm not at church. God said, there's a problem here. You can't move into your destiny when you still have the reproach of Egypt on you. And so in Joshua 5 and 2, the Lord said, make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. Modern religion doesn't have a stomach for the bloody parts of this book. Give me miracles, signs, and wonders, deliverance, and healing, and joy, and peace, but don't make me come face to face with the bloody parts of this Bible. There was so much circumcising that happened that day that they renamed the hill the hill of the foreskins. There was so much surgery that they made a hill of what they had to cut away from their life. Even now, some of you wish I wouldn't bring up such a private, delicate procedure. But the truth is that before they could get their destiny, there was some surgery that needed to be done. It was painful and bloody. But do you want to stay in the wilderness or do you want to live in your promise? The time between Jordan and Jericho was not the people's idea. It was God's idea. God told Joshua, here's the problem. Here's what we got to do. You see, when the elders came out of Egypt, they were circumcised. But now after this 40 years, you didn't circumcise any of your children in the wilderness. And so they still have the reproach of Egypt. They look right on the outward. But you don't have to look very deep to see that there's still a whole lot of Egypt about them. We're talking about being disciples and making disciples. But you can't be a Jew on Sunday and an Egyptian in private and be a disciple. I'm doing some good preaching right now. There is a time between Jordan and Jericho. And that time was the time that it took for God to get them circumcised and to cut away the things that reminded them of Egypt. There are some things that don't belong in the life of a child of God. I know it's delicate issues. I know it's a delicate subject. I know you got to work your way around. I'll be honest with you. When I was writing this message, I thought the little ones would be in Sunday school. But here we are. And so I'm not going to change what God gave me for this message because it might be a little bit tender to some ears. The truth is there's some things in our lives that if we don't cut them away, we'll never reach what God wants us to be. You can look right on the outside all you want to. You can pile on your head. You can do whatever. You, you can raise your hands, clap your hands, and talk in tongues. But until there's some private matters that get dealt with by the Holy Ghost, you'll never be ready for your destiny. Oh, hallelujah. Whew, Jesus. Mm, glory to God. Man, I feel like I preached for three hours. It's only 1053. The time between Jordan and Jericho was God's time. He knew they had no business having their revival until they were in proper covenant with him. 
Amen. The time between Jordan and Jericho was the time it took for them to be circumcised and cut away the things of Egypt. Some of you have to make some painful decisions if you want to reach your promise. You have to put away the foreskin if you want your destiny. There's some things that you have to put off if you want to take on what God has. Can I preach to somebody? Here's what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 13 and 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. He said, there came a time in my life when I had to make a decision that I needed to live like a man that had a calling and a man that had a promise and a man that had a destiny. And can I tell everybody in this place, you don't have to be an apostle Paul to get to the place in life where if you don't put off some stuff from the old life, you'll never become the man, the woman, the young person that God wants you to be. You want to walk in promise? You want to walk in Canaan? You want to have houses you didn't build, wells you didn't dig, and vineyards you didn't plant? Then you got to cut some stuff out of your life and say, God, I'm ready to live up to the promise that you've given me. Can I preach a little more? Ephesians 4, 22, that ye put off. Everybody say, put off. Put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. Paul told the church at Ephesians, it's time for you to quit acting like you're in the world. You got to put off the old man. You got to put off the lust of the old man. You got to put off the ways of this world. You cannot go into your promise uncircumcised. Can I preach a little more? Ephesians 4, 25, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. He said, you got to put away lying. I'm talking about some circumcising of our spirit and our heart that needs to happen if we really want to reach what God wants us to be. Can I preach a little more? Ephesians 4, I'm going to do it anyway, but I like you saying yes. Ephesians 4, 31, 32, let all bitterness, everybody say all. All, all bitterness and wrath and anger yes. and clamor yes. and evil speaking yes. be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You have no right to ask God for forgiveness if you're not willing to give forgiveness to people that have hurt you, bothered you, troubled you. He said, you gotta put it away. You can't reach your promise if you're still an Egyptian on the inside. Can I preach a little more? 1 Timothy 2 and 9, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array. The truth is that we're not called to look like the world. You don't have to like it. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to agree with it. You just need to obey it. And if you never cut that part out of your life, you'll never reach your destiny. Can I preach a little more? 1 Corinthians eleven fourteen and 15. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Are we different from the world? Yes, we are. But we're called. We're called to live like God's people, not live like the world. Amen. Do you want your promise or do you want the wilderness? Do you want to live in a tent for the rest of your life? Or do you want houses you didn't have to build and wells you didn't have to dig? You want to be the head or do you want to keep being a tail? Can I preach a little more? Deuteronomy 22 and 5, the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. It doesn't say, it doesn't say that which is of a man. It says pertaineth or reminds of. 
until this last four or five years where the world has gone psychotic, you knew which bathroom to walk into, by which one had a skirt and which one had britches. Just because the world's gone crazy, it didn't change this book. Do you want to be in the wilderness or do you want to be in the promise? You want to keep going in circles in life over and over, up and down, up and down, in and out. You want to be the head sometimes and the tail at other times, above sometimes, beneath. Or do you want to walk into your destiny and become? You got to settle some issues. You don't want me to preach it, but I'm preaching it anyway. You got to circumcise some stuff out of your life. It's the time between Jordan and Jericho. And they were there, the Bible said they were there until they healed from the surgery. They were never going to move on until they settled the issues. You say, well, how long do I have to stay in the wilderness? It depends on how long it takes you to heal from circumcising some stuff out of your life. I never finished that verse, Deuteronomy 22 and 5. I got half excited halfway through. Let me go on. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. (laughs) Bethlehem Church is getting ready to go into social media prison. But I don't care what the perverts in Hollywood or in Washington, D.C. say. A man should not put on a woman's garment. You can prance around all you want to, but that doesn't make it right. Well, praise God. I'm still preaching. Listen to what he said. For all that do so are abomination. Now, this is interesting, and I don't want to get bogged down here because you don't have time. Well, you do have time, but you don't think you have time for me to get bogged down here. But usually the Bible says that the act is the abomination. Right? It's the act of homosexuality the Bible says is an abomination. It's, these, it's, it's, it's the idol that is the abomination. But that's not what this verse says. This verse says that the person becomes the abomination. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Isn't it interesting that the issue, oh Lord Jesus, here we go. Isn't it interesting that the issue that the modern Pentecostal movement is battling with the most, holiness issues of separation between men and women, is the one place that God said, you're an abomination. Because there's something important about a church remembering that we are called to be different from this world. That we are called to be separate from the world. And it's not enough to go to the tabernacle and look like a Jew and then go home and pull the robe back and be an Egyptian. God said, if you really want your destiny, you got to make some decisions in the wilderness. I'm preaching to some folks today that you have all the promise of God in your future. You have all the promise and destiny of God in your future. You have houses you didn't have to build, vineyards you didn't have to plant, wells you didn't have to dig, but you got to decide, do I want the wilderness or do I want my promise? Is it bloody? Yes. Is it painful? Yes. Is it different than the Egyptians? Yes. But do you want your foreskin more than you want your destiny? You can't have both. Joshua 5 and 8, and it came to pass. When they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And Joshua, and the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. 
you got a brand new start today. you got a brand new beginning. But God didn't say that until after the surgery, until after they got over it. Sometimes we do stuff, but we don't ever get over it. We'll give something up because we know we need to to fit into the culture. But we never get over it in our heart. We still crave it and want it. But God said, they, but, but God, when they got whole, when they finally got through it and settled it and got, and got healed of it, then God said, now the reproach is gone. It wasn't gone when it was cut off. It was gone when they were able to walk again. Can I preach this a little bit more? So now they're close to Jericho. Thirteen days has passed. And now they're getting ready to walk up to the walls of this massive city. The city of Jericho was one of the most wicked cities in all of history. We went to Jericho back in May. It was probably my, my, second, my second least favorite part of the trip. The least favorite was getting sick. One of the most wicked places, they say that there was this God, this idol that they had, and they would heat it up until it was glowing red, and parents would bring their oldest child, and they would put it on this burning idol, and they would listen to the screams of their child, and that was a sacrifice. They sacrificed their children to this idol, hoping that they would be prosperous and the rest of their children would be blessed. One resource I read said that the walls of the city of Jericho were filled with the bones of the children they had slain. And that's why God said these walls can't stand if this is going to be the promised land. It can't be the promised land with Jericho standing. Something's got to change. And so Joshua gets over towards Jordan or towards Jericho. And here the final two verses of the message this morning, Joshua 5, 13 and 14. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? He sees this man with the sword, and he says, Are you with us or are you with them? And he said, Nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. The host of the Lord, if you study it throughout the Bible, the host of the Lord are the angelic armies of God. It's the angels of heaven. And so Joshua sees this man standing over by the walls of Jericho. So you with us or our enemies? And he said, I'm the captain of the host of the Lord. And I'm come, and I now come. Joshua, I am the captain of the Lord's angelic armies. And because you've circumcised and you've done what the word of the Lord said and you got your life right, you got your people right, now all you got to do is walk and worship. And me and my boys are going to take these walls down. And when Joshua heard that the angels of the Lord were, was with them at that moment, he fell down to the ground and he began to, the Bible said he began to do worship. He worshiped God because he knew from that moment God's got this under control. Can I tell you there is an angelic army waiting to fight for some of you. There's an angelic army waiting to fight on behalf of some of you that you've struggled with stuff in your wilderness experience. For some of you, your wilderness you, has been short, and for others, you've been in it for years. And you've wondered, when am I going to be the head and not the tail? When am I going to be above and not beneath? When am I going to have my houses I didn't have to build, and my vineyards I didn't have to plant, and my wells I didn't have to dig? When am I going to see all this blessing? I keep hearing it preached. When is it going to happen? And God says, when you circumcise some stuff out of your life, and you get it right, and you get ready, then you're ready to go into your promise. But when you get there, I'm telling you, there's a, whole, there's a host of angels of God that are going to take care of stuff that you can't take care of on your own. Joshua doesn't have 
have catapults. He doesn't have war machines to break down the walls. He doesn't have the time to take a hammer and brick by brick rip the walls down. But what he does have is an army of angels that said, I've been waiting on you to get to this point for this whole time. When Joshua got to the walls, the angel was there. It makes me think that angel was waiting on Joshua the whole time. That the angel had been waiting by those walls, waiting on God's people to get right and get ready and get there the whole time. It wasn't, the, it wasn't Joshua waiting on the angel. It was the angel waiting on Joshua. And can I tell you, you're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. You're not waiting on God to give you victory. God's waiting on you to circumcise some stuff out of your life. And when you do, there's an angel ready to bring your walls. Man, I feel it. I'm preaching to somebody. There's victory. There's angelic victory for you. Oh, somebody ought to praise God right now. Somebody ought to praise him right now. The angel's been waiting by your Jericho the whole time. Oh, Jesus. The angel didn't walk up to Joshua. Joshua walked up to the angel. The angel was waiting on Joshua. As your eyes are closed, stand with me this morning. I'm preaching to some folks today that you're wondering. You're wondering why you're stuck in the wilderness. Sometimes I'm the head. Sometimes I'm above. But I spend plenty of time as the tail and beneath. I'm not in Egypt. I'm not what I used to be. Thank God for that. But I know there's a Canaan land somewhere for me. Bishop Wilson, if I could sing like you, I'd probably sing Canaan Land is just inside. But since I can't, I won't. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. I'm preaching to some folks today. Why don't you close your eyes and lift your hands to heaven and say, God, if he's preaching to me, let me get my life right. Circumcision is a touchy subject. It's a private matter. It's a delicate topic. It's a bloody, it's a bloody procedure. Tough to talk about publicly. But the Lord said, here's the deal. Just on the other side over there is your stuff. It's not far away at all. But you see, we got this little issue that we're dealing with. Some private issues. Some hidden things. things that only the people closest to you know are like they are. You cover it up when you go to the temple. You cover it up when it's time to sing. And you cover it up when it's time to worship. But God knows that it's Egyptian. And God says, I want to roll the reproach of Egypt off of you. got this angel standing right there ready to help you but you got to do some surgery if you really want to go from your wilderness to your promise there's already folks coming to the altar everybody everybody that has any issue you ought to be able to bring it to the altar and say God I let me just tell you this altar ought to have so much surgery 
that it becomes identified by the things that we lay down. It became, Brother Carson, the hill of the foreskins because it was identified by what the people of God were willing to cut off to go to their promise. This altar is not just steps and carpet. This area around is not just an open area for us to congregate. But it's the hill of the foreskins where we cut stuff off of our life and say, God, I need you to help me. I got, I got to bleed a little bit today. There's some stuff that I've been holding on to all this wilderness journey that if I don't settle it now, I'll never get my promise. And I want to believe that the angels of the Lord are here right now because they know what your Jericho is and they're willing to take care of it for you but they're not willing to do it and they're not going to be activated until there's some surgery at the altar. Come on, can you pray? Don't listen to me anymore. Just talk to God. Just let God see your silver tears. Let God see your heart. The Bible said, rid your heart and not your garment. The Bible says, be circumcised in your heart. God, I'm asking you, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, to cut the things out of my life that keep me from my promise and my destiny. Oh, that's right. I hear some good praying. Let's, let's do some more praying. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Look, circumcision is not comfortable for anybody. It's not comfortable for the priest, and it's not comfortable for the believer. my time between Jordan and Jericho. This is your time between a short part of time that can make all the difference in your destiny. God help us, Lord. So year of revival. I'm gonna pro I'm gonna prophesy that you'll be the head and not the tail. But only if you're willing to, to manage the time between. God, I repent, Lord, for my stubbornness and my wilderness. Stubbornness in the wilderness. God, I repent for the time when I've held on to the flesh when I should have let it go. God, I want to be different from this world. I want to be the man you called me to be.
Amen. While they sing the chorus one more time, why don't you lay your hand on somebody close to you? And let's pray one for another that God would help us. Dimension of, of revival we walk in is not dependent on God, it's waiting on us. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, that's right. Let's spend some time praying together. Help us, God. Help us, God, to walk into the promise. us, God, to walk into our destiny. Thank you, God, because you have a purpose and a destiny for us that you've planned out even while we were in the wilderness, Lord. You've been planning it for us. And God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for providing the way for us to take and a destiny that's greater than we can imagine, a land flowing with milk and honey. In Jesus' name, let's give the Lord a great hand clap of praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Remember, be free at 5 o'clock, prayer at 6, and church at 6.30. Amen. I want to welcome two brand new members of Bethlehem Church. Christian and Mia have brought their baby, and also the Jeters have brought their new baby. Can we make these two babies welcome at Bethlehem for the first time? Amen. God bless you. You can bring your tithe and be dismissed in Jesus' name.